to Thee, O Lord. Do I lift up my soul unto Thee, O Lord? Do I lift up my soul?
Good morning to everyone. Want to welcome you to our Sunday morning worship service. God has provided us with a beautiful day to meet to assemble to worship. Uh, it's great that we see people this morning fellowshipping together one another. The excitement seems to be in the air. So we are looking forward to a wonderful worship service this morning. If you're watching by streaming, we welcome you to join with us as we worship. I know we've got a lot of visitors in our audience today, and we appreciate that. We're glad to have you. Hope uh, you'll give our people the opportunity to visit with you before you leave. I would like to mention that Anita's mom from West, West Virginia is with us today. So we're glad to see her this morning. We're glad she's here for a few days for a visit. Let's pray, please. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this beautiful day that you blessed us with. Father, we thank you for all who are assembled here this morning. We're so thankful for each, each person. We pray as we come that now we prepare our minds and our hearts to participate in, in this worship service. We pray for those that will be directing through the service and, and we pray particularly for Brother Ken as he stands before us today. And as Father, we pray that we can be pleasing to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Good morning. All the songs that we're singing today are in the songbook, if you sing from the book. <clears throat> First song is in the book is 611, Heavenly Sunlight. <clears throat> Always on a cold morning, I have a suggestion. I'll let it I'm going to y'all sing out loud.
120 is the next song called Sunlight. I wandered in the cave of night to keep the pains away, and with the sunlight of the sun, we all parted to see the light of sunlight in my soul's day. The light of sunlight all along the way, and the Savior found me took away my sin. Father, we're so thankful for this beautiful Lord's Day that you've given us and for all the blessings without number that we received. And we pray and give thanks for our Savior, Jesus Christ, whose blood washes away our sins and brings us salvation. And we're thankful, Father, for the elders of the congregation here as they watch over us. We give thanks for the deacons as they work among the congregation here. We're thankful for our ministers, Brother Ken, Brother Doug, Brother Stephen, Brother Jordan, and Brother Bo, as they work to break the bread of life to us. We pray, Father, for those less fortunate than we. We pray that you will see that the hungry are fed, the homeless be sheltered. We pray that those in sorrow may, may be comforted. And Father, we, we pray that you will be with us throughout the furtherance of this service. And we pray, Father, that you will forgive us of our sins as we repent of them. Be with us now. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The invitation song today is Let the lower, lower Lights Be Burning. If you want to mark that in your book, 642. Let the Lower Lights Be Burning. 
song before the lesson today is uh, Ring Out the Message. <clears throat> morning from Psalms 119 verse 105. 
Psalm 119, verse 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Thought Stephen was about to chase me down there. Don't you do it. I'm going to do it anyway. Well, thank you, Stephen, for following up on me there. Good morning to everybody. It's wonderful to see you. Hope you've had a great week. Looks like we've got a cold one coming up. And it's, it's Christmas time, so that makes sense. I just told somebody, I, I kind of wish that along with the excruciating cold, we'd get a little snow. Yes? yes? Wouldn't that be amazing? So whoever, you know, we talked about prayer and somebody prayed, I guess, for this. <laughs> so if you did, hey, add an addendum to the end of it about the snow, okay? Because you are very effective. It is, it is a pleasure to be here on the first day of the week. Assembled for the purpose of worshiping God in spirit and in truth. And one of the great side effects of that intention We've come here with our bucket full to overflowing and we are expressing ourselves spiritually to the God of heaven and earth and you've just been pouring yourself out and just kind of as a growth from that comes our relationship with one another. It's great to come into this building, see the smiling faces and to know this, this is our family. These are our people. So if you're visiting with us today, you, you know, you get one of those temporary badges. You get to participate in our fellowship with one another and just enjoy time together. It's a precious benefit being a child of God. I would like it if everybody would take their finger like this and point it right at me. So you, oh boy. Uh, okay, no, keep it up there. Point at me and repeat after me. Ken Forrest is not a lawgiver. Okay, you can put your finger down now. Okay, you've said it, and I want you to believe it. When I stand here before you, I am not your lawgiver. I hear people sometimes say, hey, we got you know, preachers coming, we better straighten up, or whatever. Flesh and bone, just a person, just a person, not the lawgiver. In fact, all, all that I do is I stand here before you as one of you, and I share with you what God has spoken to me through his word the previous week. In many cases, some of you may not be aware of this, I, I plan sermons a year in advance, so a lot of what I preach, I have been thinking about for a long time. But please remember what you just said. It wasn't to be a joke. I really want to feel that as I stand before you, that I'm not, I'm not your boss. I just want to share with you what God has to say. And to be perfectly honest, I'm just exactly like you. I fall short. I'm not immune to the pressures of this life. I, I have my own weaknesses. And so we're all here together 
experiencing God, experiencing one another, with a hope that when we leave here today, we'll be better for having been a part of this assembly. Now, today is especially true in those regards because I'm going to be handing out some advice. I really believe the sentiment of what was expressed in this short verse of Scripture. It's actually one text out of the largest chapter in the whole Bible. Stephen took an entire quarter describing each section to us. It's a powerful text of Scripture. But this one little piece, that's what I want us to experience today. And growing out of that will be some suggestions for all of us that we can more fully implement what's really stated in this text. Before we start, though, let's pray that God will bless us in our study of his word today. Our Father in heaven, we are grateful to you for this beautiful day. We're grateful to you for the occasion of the first day of the week and the gathering of the saints, for all of these acts of worship that we participate in, every single one of us, with all of our heart. And Father, I pray that now as we are meditating upon your word, that it will just be another vehicle by which our worship can be carried to you. So Father, please help me as just one of many in this room to communicate your word in a simple and understandable way. And today, not as a lawgiver, but as a student of your word and one desirous to impart the things I've learned to others, help me to be a director of those things and not not an enforcer. And also pray for the hearers today that they will find something that's useful to them for their daily walk. Truly to understand the power of your word in our lives and to be enlightened by it with every step that we take. Thank you, Father, for all the blessings that will grow out of this. In Jesus' name, amen. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. The songs that we've sung this morning have directed our thoughts to the idea of God's enlightening our way, the light of his word. If ever there were a text of scripture that might be a personal declaration, this might be one of those passages to declare as an assurance. It's not something that we're wishy-washy on. It's something that we are committed is a reflection of us as God's children that we could declare personally, every single one of us, not, not just as a declaration of the church to say to our community, we are a a Bible-believing, Bible-following group of people. Not that, but that I personally believe that God's Word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. 
I ask you to point your finger at me today and to declare also that I'm not the lawgiver because I am not. But I see in this idea of a declaration, my personal declaration, some things that I want to suggest to you ought to be a part of what you're doing with the Word of God. Now, as we go through them, you may say, I don't do that or I don't do this other thing. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm participating in that, but not this. You know, just kind of a, like going through the cafeteria and choosing what you want, what you don't want. I, I think that what I'm going to share with you today, all of it works together to help us to become the complete person that the Word of God is supposed to make us. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, 16 and 17, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. If I'm going to be that person, if I'm going to have been so impacted by the Word of God that it makes those changes in me, then that means that the Word of God's going to play a major part in my life. I'm not just going to give some passing attention to it, I'm going to be committed to it. So today I want to share with you some things that I think will help all of us to accomplish some of that. The first thing I'm going to suggest to you is that at least in some part that you commit yourself to memorizing the Word of God. Now I don't mean memorize the whole Bible but I'm talking about giving some time to writing meaningful, impactful, personally important passages of Scripture on your heart, having them solidly in your mind. Here's what I think. If the Word of God to you is more precious than gold, if the Word of God to you is more pleasant than honey, if the Word of God to you is more practical than human counsel, then you ought to spend at least a little time taking that which is so precious to you and permanently writing it in your mind and in your heart. Now, Ken, whoa, why would I do that? That is painful. Well, let me tell you why I would do it. I would do it for... The ease of access. And what I mean by that is, the word is more useful to me, written in my mind and on my heart, than it is sitting in a book on a shelf somewhere out of reach when I need it. Now, when is it that I'm saying I need the word of God? Well, I already made my declaration. Your word's a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. If I'm walking in a world of darkness, when do I need that word available to me? 
It's not when I get easy access to the book. It's when I have those passages that I lean upon readily available. Now you say, well, Ken, I, I don't know. I, I, I know what the Bible teaches about things. I, I don't necessarily know exactly where I could put my finger on it. I can't, I can't express the book or the chapter or the verse. I, I can't even speak it word for word. Hey, peace. But do you have some resemblance of those mighty passages of Scripture in your heart somewhere? Is your life being directed? Is, is your life being open to God and letting God wield it by the knowledge that you have of Scripture? And, and how about this test? Maybe I can't exactly speak it word for word, but when I hear it, I know it. As though you have become, to one extent or another, at least a discerner of what is the Word of God. It's kind of like for me, and, and I'm thinking about another passage that you find here in this text. Actually, it's a couple of verses earlier, verse 103. In that verse, David says, Well, now, how sweet is your word to my taste. He says, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Well, that got my attention because I love honey. And many of you have been supplying me with honey and I've got a shelf there above my mugs to kind of get it out of reach of most people. But I've got it on that shelf right there and, and I can see it in my mind right now. I've got some jars of honey. And you know what I do. Once in a while, I'll just go in there and I'll open up that cabinet and I'll just, oh, I'll just gaze at that honey. It's so beautiful. Can you imagine it with me? Like as the light goes through it, the light just kind of does funny things when it goes through honey. It's refracted in, in, in some unusual ways. It's almost just silky to the eye. And Oh, I just love my collection of honey there in those jars. Just to open that up, have the light, hit it, and just stand there and look at it. Wow, it's wonderful to love honey that way. You know that's not why I love honey. I don't love honey so I can go to the cabinet, open it, and look at it. What I love about honey is taking that jar or that little container with the flip cap that's got the little hole in it, and I pour that honey out. Oh, I put the honey in the coffee, or I'll sweeten up my tea with it, or I'll pour honey on rice. I could put honey on practically everything I eat. I love the honey, but the reason why is because not how beautiful it is in the jar, but how it tastes and feels in my mouth. I visited someone some time ago, went in the house. They said, oh, Brother Ken, Brother Ken. You know, the preacher thing. Brother Ken, come on and show you something. It's like, okay, great. We walked over to the corner of the living room in what seemed to be kind of a set-off special area. There was basically on that shelf a tribute to a loved one. I think that's a precious sentiment. But in the middle of that was a Bible that had been given to the family in recognition and memorial of the person who had died. 
they took the box out and they sat it down. They took the lid off and brought the Bible out and opened it just very carefully to show me that black and white photograph that they took of Jesus way back in the day. Oh, it was a precious thing to them. And not meaning to judge, but also not able to keep the thought away, was this. I mean, that's a beautiful container. It was cedar, beautiful white Bible with that beautiful picture of Jesus in the front. But that's not what makes that Bible precious. And I'm going to think that's not what made that Bible precious to the loved one that it memorializes. I'm going to think that what is in that Bible would be way more precious than the dust that is collected on the lid as it is set aside in a special place and just looked upon. I don't go to the cabinet just to look at the honey. I go to the cabinet to take part of it, to enjoy it as it, well, essentially becomes a part of me. So too... If we will memorize the Word of God, extract its truths right off of the written page and put it on our hearts, whether that is word for word or whether it is the result of a changed life by experience with the Word of God, it's got to become a part of us. Also in this very same Psalm, 119, if you go all the way back to verse 11... David said, your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. In other words, the idea is if I will ingest the word of God, if the word of God will become a part of me spiritually, then I will be able through that presence of the word of God in my life, in my mind and in my heart to become a kind of hedge against the assault of Satan himself. I don't want to sin against the Lord, but how in the world could I protect myself? He says, well, ingest the word of God. Take the word of God inside of you. Is that even practical? I immediately think of Jesus. Jesus, the Son of God. When Jesus is tempted by the devil, and friends, this is real, the temptation would have been meaningless if not for the possibility, at least, of Jesus stumbling. But on that occasion recorded in Matthew chapter 4, as Satan assaults Jesus time after time, three times in a row, using those opportunities that Satan believes are the very best opportunity to trip up the Son of God. Every single time Jesus leads off his response to Satan by saying these words, it is written. Carry your mind back to the garden, okay? Eve knew exactly what had been quote unquote written, what had been spoken by God. You eat of the fruit of this tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and the day that you eat of that, you will surely die. This is what God has said. Satan says, you know what? You shall not surely die. Had Eve truly had that word imprinted on her heart, relied upon that word, 
followed that word, been convicted by that word, would she not as easily have been able to refute and turn back the attempts of Satan as Jesus our Lord did? How great would it be if all of us, when temptation arises, when we are at our weakest moment, when our foot is about to slip, to be able to say with confidence, it is written. And then to follow through on what it is that we know is written. Oh, the sweetness of that word of God. A second thing that I would add to that is not just memorizing the word of God. How about meditating upon the word of God? Now, to meditate means that we stop to contemplate a thing. We're really removing the distractions that are around us to focus intently upon what is there. James describes it as a reflecting upon the Word of God, looking into the mirror, if you will, of the Word of God. The reflection that we see, we are contemplating. We are studying this. And it requires for us a period of introspection. It does no good to spend time in the Word of God if we are not committed to making the changes that become apparent that need to be made as we're in examination of that word as it reflects in us. In the book of Psalms, at the very first Psalm, it's kind of the one that sets the pace for the rest of what is going to follow. He says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Now, I like, I like the benefit that comes, right? I think, hey, that sounds good. I'm going to be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. That is, in time of famine, I'll still be provided for. If only, though, I will do the first part that he described. And that is not to seek counsel from those around me. And he describes it as a situation that begins with a walk and then it's standing and then it's sitting. It progressively gets worse and worse and worse. If what I'm relying upon is the counsel of men, you know what, that might work out in the beginning. There is a general base of knowledge I would suggest to you that comes from the divine word to begin with, but somehow has been depleted as it has been distanced from its original source and men have adulterated that truth. But there are some universal truths, it seems, and we just tend to listen to what we think is the best advice. But what he describes is, you know, sometimes... We get some relatively good advice, but if that's what we depend on time and time and time again, eventually it is going to cause us to fall in the gutter because that isn't what we should rely upon. He says what we do is we meditate upon the Word of God day and night. Again, I would say our ultimate personal declaration. If you don't have one already ought to be your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I want to meditate, concentrate, reflect 
I want to do the introspection based not on the opinions of people that I trust even, but upon the pure, unadulterated word of God because God will not pull any punches with me. He will tell me exactly how it is. I kind of get the idea that even members of the early church had a tendency, yeah, I'm going to study the word of God, but I also trust what other people say. Paul sets the record straight in Philippians chapter 4, verses 8 and 9. He says, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. What things? The things that you have learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do and the God of peace will be with you. There might be a lot of things that are good advice, but they aren't necessarily the advice of God. God's advice is what is going to take us to heaven someday. So, you know, in terms of just getting my feet headed in the right direction, I ought to spend some time memorizing the word, and I ought to take that word that I memorize and meditate upon it day and day night. And then I would say, let's, let's make music with the Word of God, like we've been doing this morning. We have been singing attributes of God. We've been singing about the power of that Word, and as it is light to our feet, we have been talking about things related to this sermon all morning through song. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. It's like God has packaged up a tremendous gift. We have received it. We have taken it into ourselves. And now we are sending it right back as a gift, as an offering, if you will, to God. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, in a rich sort of way. It's not just, oh, here we go. Let's sing the song want to get the notes right, mangling up the words. That's, this is a dedicated spiritual effort on our part. Are we human? Do we not sing the right notes sometimes? Yes. Do we sometimes not get the right word? Maybe our vision? Yes. But do we understand the sentiment of the song that was sung? Do we have our heart in the worship that we are offering to God? Do it in a rich sort of way. I like those songs in our songbook that are filled with scripture, don't you? And I wanted to share one with you. Number 439. This one, yeah, get one of those old fangled songbooks. You might still find one in the song rack there. And I want you to see something here. 449. Thy word. Wait a minute. The opening words. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Have you heard that before? Yes, we have, Ken. That's our verse for today. I've been working already while you were preaching on memorizing that. Okay, wonderful. Here is a song 
that has that sentiment in it. But I want you to notice this about the song. Not only does it have in that first line repeated twice the verse, but then the other thing that we talked about, you know how we're meditating upon the word of God? Notice how when you sing this song, you are expressing the meditated word, right? So knowing that he's lighting my way. He's got my path laid out there. I, I can see it clearly. Because of that, he says, when I feel afraid, well, and I think I've lost my way, still, you're there right beside me. I have confidence that that's true because of that word that you've spoken. Nothing will I fear as long as you are near. Please be near me to the end. You see how that works? I have read the word of God. But I don't just analyze each word, get the definitions out of those ancient text dictionaries and then kind of parse it out and understand. I've got to apply this word and this song, if you sing it, becomes a vehicle by which that application is made. Hey, powerful, yes? Yes, kid, it is. Why don't we sing this song then, okay? I first three things that we've talked about here this morning. You have considered with your heart, your soul, your mind, with all your strength, the truth that his word is a lamp to your feet and a light to your path. And not only that, you've meditated upon it to the extent that you say, you know what? When things are not exactly right with me, when I feel down, when I'm hurting, I'm still knowing that God is right there with me. And then to boot, <laughs> we have put that thought, that sentiment, that meditation of our hearts to music. So if you can do those things so easily, so readily, then why don't we add this to it? Why don't we, you and I, when we've been impacted by the Word of God to that degree, when it's just, it's become a real part of us, tangible, we've been changed by it, how about let's use that Word to minister to other people? Hebrews chapter 10 verse 24. Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Consider each other. Here's what we want to consider. We want to stir up love and good works. We want to encourage one another that they feel loved. You're an important part of this. But we also want to motivate in this love for one another an aspiration of good works to the glory of God. 
You, by ministering the Word of God to somebody else, can make a tremendous impact for good in their life. In Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 13, it says to exhort one another daily while it is called today. Okay, now think about that for a minute. You say, so-and-so, I need to encourage them. Hey, I'll get to them next week. <laughs> what did he say do? Do it today. Do it now. Is today still today? Today's all that you've got. You want to be a blessing, an encouragement. You want to exhort others to love and good works. Don't wait. Do it now while you have the opportunity and while they have the opportunity to receive it. Now, I can't speak for everybody, but, you know, I guess just as an example, I'll throw myself out there. Listen, when you see that I am suffering, here's what I'd like you to bring me. Bring me the Word of God, would you? When you see that I'm angry about something, when I'm really put off, here's what I'd like for you to do. Bring me the Word of God. When you see that I'm frightened, there's some uncertainty, what I'd like for you to bring me is the Word of God. When I'm afraid, when I'm frightened, bring me the Word of God. And if you're around when I'm dying, bring me the Word of God. And, and by the way, Jeremy, if, if you're around when I'm dying and you bring me the Word of God, bring it in a song package, would you? I would just love you to sing around me the Word of God. I don't know if that's you, if that's what you would want, but I'm just telling you, I've committed myself to walking this path and having this kind of light, and there's nothing that makes me feel closer to God than the very Word of God. And finally, I would suggest to you that we, we all need to mind the Word of God. Some of you, I guess, maybe are too young to know what minding something is. But back in my mind, I'm hearing it. My mother almost always, sometimes my dad, but my dad didn't have to say a word. <laughs> didn't have to say a word. But my mom would say, now, Kenny, you mind me. I knew exactly what that meant. It just simply means obey me. Listen to what I'm telling you. Now, there was an unspoken threat <laughs> in that. I didn't like to think much about that, so I tended to mind my mother. We need to obey the Word of God. Jesus said something about himself in his own time and the expression of the word in John chapter 12, verse 48. He who rejects me and receives not my words has one that judges him. The words that I've spoken, the same will judge him in the last day. Jesus said, you may not, you may not listen to me and obey me now, but one of these days you will. In the judgment you will. You say, I love Jesus. I love Jesus. Okay. John 14, verse 15. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me, mind me. 
James said in James chapter 1, verse 21, to lay aside all filthiness, overflow of wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. You want to be saved? Mind the word. Obey it. Take it into you. Let it transform you. Here's a test for all of us. It comes from 1 John chapter 5 and verse 3. For this is the love of God. Okay, stop right there. You love God? I love God. He says right here it is. This is the love of God that we keep His commandments. And His commandments are not burdensome. Someone comes back and says, well, yeah, I love God, but His commandments are so hard to keep. And whoa, John says, what? Back, back up. No, <laughs> not so. In fact, with Jesus, Jesus really said it's so simple. First commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. The second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. On these two hang all the law and the prophets. So let's just boil it down. And we're already exhorting one another to love and good works. Yes. So if that is true, what he said right here as a test is so simple. This is the love of God that you keep his commandments. And his commandments truly are not burdensome. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Could we not make a passage like this our personal declaration? I'm not saying it's the only thing I'll observe. No, no, not that. But if I could get this right, man, I'd get a lot of stuff right. Can we do that? Because I'm thinking that if the Word of God is to us as precious as gold, as pleasant as honey, as practical as human counsel, and more so, then surely we can memorize it. Surely we can meditate upon it. Surely we could make music with it minister with it, and mind it. Today, you're a child of God. I'm not your boss. Just been sharing with you some things that I think are so practical with regard to the Word of God. Will you take up these things with me? Maybe you're not a child of God today, but you've known the impact of the Word of God. Perhaps someone has shared the gospel with you, and today you're ready to obey it. If you believe that He's the Son of God, that God raised Him from the dead, if you're ready to repent of your sins, to confess your faith, that in fact these things are true, if you're ready to be buried in water, have your sins washed away by the gospel power, the blood of Jesus Christ, you'll rise up a new creation. Old things will have passed away. Behold, all things become new. Is that something that interests you today? Today can be the start of something great for all of us. If there's anybody who needs to respond for any reason, now's your opportunity. Why don't you come if you need to while we stand together and sing. Brightly be our Father's mercy.
<clears throat> this time we'll sing a song to help prepare our minds for the Lord's Supper. It'll be number 382. Why did my Savior come to earth? not yet received one of the Lord's Supper emblems, if you'll raise your hand, one of our ushers will be happy to get that to you at this time. You know, remembering is very, very important. We know that those who fail to Remember, the past are doomed to repeat that in the future. You know, remembering is important because it brings about an appreciation. You think about our great country in which we live today when we remember the sacrifices that were made for our freedoms. That helps us to appreciate those that sacrifice for that. And it helps us to appreciate what we have today. Pre appreciation and being able to remember also helps us to be motivated to live like we ought to live right now in the present. When we remember the cost of freedom, for example, and reflect on that, that ought to motivate us to be model citizens, honorable people as we live in our daily lives. 
But you know, remembering what our Lord did for us is equally important. Because if we fail to remember what Jesus did for us, then we're going to become like those in the Old Testament that forgot God and were let off into sin. Remembering what our Lord did for us on Calvary ought to also motivate us to live for him in the present, rejoicing in the sacrifice that he made for us and manifesting that appreciation by the way that we live our lives each day. You know, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 26, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. Every first day of the week when we assemble together as God's people and we partake of the Lord's Supper, we are demonstrating one to another. We're professing our belief in what Jesus did and the sacrifice that he made that provides our salvation today. And so we want you to remember as we partake of the Lord's Supper today, we want you to remember his body as is represented by the bread. We want you to remember and reflect upon the blood of Jesus that was spilt on Calvary and how that blood washes away our sins today and gives us the hope of heaven in the future. Will you bow with me? Our merciful and kind Heavenly Father, we are so thankful to you for all things. But at this time, Father, we are especially thankful for your Son. We're thankful for his sacrifice on the cross for our sins. And Father, as we partake of this bread this morning, may we remember our Lord's body that was given on our behalf on Calvary. May we reflect, may we meditate upon it. In Christ's name, amen. Again, Father, as we think about the sacrifice of your son, we are indeed grateful and thankful for his blood that washes away our sins, that blood that cleanses us and makes us whole. And Father, as we partake of this fruit of the vine this morning, may we remember the sacrifice that our Lord made on Calvary and his blood that was spilt on the ground, that blood that washes away our sins continually, Father. We're thankful for it, and may we think about it and meditate upon that sacrifice at this time. In Christ's name, amen. We come now to a portion of our worship that we give back to God. You know, Jesus said in Luke 6 and verse 38, Give and it shall be given unto you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, shall men give into your bosom. You know, we're commanded to give to God. Giving shows the proof of our 
love for the Lord, 2 Corinthians chapter 11. And so let's think about how richly God has blessed us and let's demonstrate to him our gift of love as well. Will you bow with me? Our Heavenly Father, thank you so much for our material and physical blessings. Father, we are truly blessed beyond what we deserved. Father, you have blessed us tremendously today in this country and in this community. Father, may we now give back to you a, a demonstration, a proof of our love for you and for the church for which your son died. In Christ's name, amen. The mission team just wants to thank each of you for your contributions you've made through the year, both in terms of our general budget, but also in May, we collect monies from that fifth Sunday in order to support mission works. And you'll remember very next week after we got those funds, I made a report to you about how we had already determined to spend that money. I just don't believe in it sitting around, do you, when it's got work to do? Well, we've had some additional contributions come in toward the end of this year. And again, just kind of living according to our motto with the mission team, we don't like the money to sit around. So we're still thinking about some other works, but I just want to share with you something that we're planning to do on behalf of this congregation. And we're already working with Terry Smith in his work he calls Christ's Call in Africa. He has several areas in Uganda that he's working, but one area is the city of Sorority. That's where we have been invested with him. We've actually been working with a man by the name of Simon Odongo. We have been providing his full support well, he does a radio program. That radio program is a year-long endeavor. It costs $4,800 a year. Well, guess what, Boonville? We are live in sorority. Yeah! Our congregation is supporting that work. All glory to God, yes? Also, we've committed to providing his support for next year, which comes in at $2,400. And then there's this. So we told Terry, this is our commitment right now. This is what we know we can do. But we've got a fifth Sunday coming in May. <laughs> so I want you to be thinking already about what you're going to do. But among the many other things that we're going to challenge you to do, there is a work that they would love to be involved in. They would like to begin the sorority school of biblical studies. They don't have the funding for it. All it would take is $3,000 in order to get basically the pilot program going. So our goal is come May, among the other wonderful works that we can do, we're going to do that one. Yes? Yes, we will. Great. I love the 100% participation. Let's just try it again. I just, I just want to hear the roar of it. We can do this. Yes? Woo! Hello. Okay, great. Okay, the other thing that I hope you're enthusiastic about. So we've, 
Bless Marilyn Martin's heart. Marilyn sits and tries to think, how can I serve the Lord best? And did she come up with a great idea or what? Those bags, the SOS bags, those things have been flying out the doors. Well, she came out with another one. So I guess we're going to start calling Marilyn the bag lady. (laughs) She's got another bag here. Uh, This bag on the front of it says saving our families. Anybody interested in families here? few of you. (laughs) Well, you're a tough crowd. Okay. So we want to save our families. How are we going to do that? Well, we've already seen it. Word of God's got to guide our steps. Well, there is a series of lessons. There are eight lessons. In fact, the entire series is referred to as God's design for the family. Now, the way this is designed is as a Bible correspondence course. You meet someone, maybe they're having family problems. You share them, share this first lesson with them. They fill it out, send it in, and you go through eight lessons that way. Well, our experience in some cases has been that you get the first lesson and maybe they don't complete it. And Marilyn feels so strongly, and and I'll be honest, I, I do too, that our families are hurting to the degree that, you know, someone might fill out the first one and send it in, maybe get the second one and then quit. Maybe something happens in the family or they have to move. So here's what she's thinking. You know, instead of making this a Bible correspondence course, what if we put all eight in one bag and then they had the entire series they could study anytime they like. They could still send them in to be graded, but they would have all the lessons. Here's what Marilyn would like for us to do in anticipation of launching a broader campaign. How about as long as supplies last, and I don't anticipate Aaron them lasting very long, but how about as long as supplies last, you representative from your family, go get one of these bags with these eight lessons and just go through them and then get back with Marilyn or myself and give us a review of that. Is this a program that is worthy of our Boonville outreach? Yes or no? Can you do that for us today? All right. Thank you very much. Good morning again to everybody. Again, if you're a visitor, we're so happy you're here and a part of our worship this morning. Uh, my understanding, we had about 278 present this morning in our worship. In regards to announcements, of course, uh, we will not be going through the list of everybody that we need to remember, but this morning it was brought to our attention or to my attention that Uh, We need to be remembering also not only those in the bulletin, but the Martin Hanley family. Many of us know that family. Um, He passed away this morning. And, of course, he leaves behind his wife, Suzanne, who works at the school district, um, and two children, a senior and a seventh grader. So let's also remember that family. In regards to announcements, On the back of the bulletin, let's not forget the progressive dinner tonight. Um, Something that we just remembered was that it starts before services. So uh, we'll start at, it'll it'll leave, you'll leave the bus here. We'll leave at 3.30 headed to our home. So I hope everybody will join uh, if you're a part of that progressive dinner with the youth. 
And then, of course, we'll come back for Bible, Bible class here and then go to the Coates home and then the Estes' home tonight. Don't forget the CYC, EYC deadlines. And then next Sunday, uh, morning worship will be at 1030. And there will be no evening service, so let's not forget that either. Wendy Long has asked if there's anybody who would like to help with a baby shower for Katie Bruce. Please meet in the little chapel after uh, we close here in just a moment. So please do that. And then I know Dale's been handing it out, but let's not, uh, let's also remember to get the list of all the, the in memories and, and different things there, uh, holiday remembrances that we do here at Boonville, if you're interested in that. All right. If you don't mind, let's close in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we are extremely thankful for all the many blessings you provide us. And this morning, as we close, um, we're reminded of your word and the blessings that come from it. And so as we leave here, let us set to declare that it'll be a light and a lamp for our past. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.